welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Serio Sensei. We are on episode number 145. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Hit us up on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Instagram page. And you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei. And as always, I'm joined with my co-host, the Antaku. What's going on, man? My feet hurt. Oh, boy. Yeah. So that's a thing. <laughs> been, been hiking, walking? Was it just Basketball. Oh, okay. So I, I basically played basketball since like a walk. I think it's the first time it's ever given me blisters. So I'm getting old, man. <laughs> uh, are you just shooting around, or are you running like a like? No, no. I put, actually played today. In, oh, you went to like a pickup game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is it's rough. It's rough. I think I just need new shoes because like. I would stop, but my feet would keep going inside my shoe. And <laughs> I, I think I, I think you know what I think is I think I lost a bunch of weight, and my shoe size went down without me realizing it. <laughs> I would say you, you might just need a shoe with some more, a uh, little, little more grip at the bottom. It could be that, but yeah, uh, no, I'm fine. I mean, I, I just got to watch an absolute classic <laughs> of a title fight. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, got one of the one of the greatest UFC women's title fights of all time, at least in the top three. One of the, one of the most technical performances of our um, of our lifetime. Uh, truly <laughs> awe inspiring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the entire time I was watching that fight, I was just envisioning Joey just screaming at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could tell he was not happy. <laughs> it's like Joey is throwing everything in the living room at the TV. <laughs> oh man! But um, yeah, just to provide some context for this episode, uh, we are recording this the night of uh, UFC Uruguay, uh, so it is currently eleven fifty-three p.m. Also, if my voice sounds a bit off, um said it's like the last three episodes but i'm still sick um it's getting better i know it doesn't sound like it but like during the day i'm fine like i'm okay and then like at night it's, it's like you know everything crashes down and then i start coughing and i get congested and it's not a good time not a not, not a good time but I'm going to make it through this podcast. My right nostril is clogged up. I'm going to try not to cough. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that works. But 
As always, before we get started, thank yous and, and shout-outs to all the listeners, Twitter people, Tumblr people, wherever you're at in the, in the world. We appreciate you. Uh, top cities for the week as far as listeners, number one, Everett, Washington, number two, San Francisco, California, number three, Corpus Christi, Texas, number four, Dubai, what up to y'all, and number five, I'm probably going to butcher this, La- what, La- Loxahatchee, Florida, I definitely said that wrong, uh, it's not my fault, you guys have a weird name, but I, I appreciate y'all, but do something about that name, that's a lot to say. But, um, appreciate you guys, you know, keep sharing, retweet, uh, share with a neighbor, friend, co-worker, manager, uh, right before, like, you're about to get fired at your job, and they want you to leave, just tell them to listen to this real quick, they might just kick put you. Just put on, fuck it, put on the speaker. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, put on the speaker, they might kick you out quicker, but that's, that's not the point. I mean, you're already fired. Right, yeah, so, you know, you can do us that solid before you leave. <laughs> just do do us that solid before they kick you off the premises. Just to spread this over the speaker, you know. So, but appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, as far as today's episode, pretty pretty light. Um, there were other fight cards that happened during the week. Uh, PFL had a card. I want to say LFA had a card. Um, and Victor had a card, but I didn't get a chance to watch any of them. Um, I'll, I'll give Victor a brief mention. Um, I'm honestly, guys, I'm probably just gonna skip PFL unless you have anything you want to say about it, because I'm not. I like PFL and I like what they're doing, but uh, an entire card of um, light heavyweights and heavyweights. I'm okay on that. Like, I, I watched, like, the first two fights, I think, and then I just kind of like, yeah, you know what, I'm good, just gonna, just gonna go uh, pick up my Switch and play Smash Brothers, and uh, <laughs> do something else with the rest of my night. Um, but I'll, I'll give Invicta a mention, so I like Invicta, so. But, before we get to that, news and notes for the week, a pretty light week in terms of news and notes, but... Uh, there are some quality, I'd say, uh, in terms of fight announcements. Not a ton of fights announced, but the ones that did get announced um, were all pretty good. So, running from the top. Um, UFC Tampa, we have a trio of fights uh, being announced. One of the biggest, Joanna Janjacek versus Michelle Waterson. Uh, that'll be the headliner of UFC Tampa. And then also on that card, we'll have Davison Figueroa uh, versus Tim Elliott. And also Ryan Spann versus Devin Clark. Um, I think we talked about this fight before, but just a quick rehash. I'm pretty sure none of our feelings have changed since then. Joanna uh, versus Watterson. Still, still sticking with Joanna. Hi, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Mm, uh, uh. I, I don't see where Watterson like has the advantage. Like she, she's probably not gonna take. Joanna down. The only woman who's been able to do that so far has been like Koya Gadella and uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Two women who are obscenely stronger than Michelle Watterson. So, you know. Yeah, same old, same old. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty much same old, same old. Like, normally when I look at fight matchups, I try to envision, like, how each fighter can win, or, like, path to victory, how they can get a finish, 
And I just, I, I don't, I like Waterson a lot, but I just, I don't see it. I, I don't know where or how she gets to finish. Um, but I mean, crazier things have happened, so I'm not going to write her off, but if I'm a betting man, uh, I got I got to go with Joanna. But that'll be going down at UFC Tampa. Uh, Corey Anderson, who got a few mentions on this podcast either last week or the week before, uh, he will be fighting Johnny Walker at UFC 244. Do you think if Walker wins, or, 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 or do you think we're bumping him up? Or not even say we, but are, are they? Do you think they were going to bump him up to a title shot? Oh hell yeah! Who else is what? Else, like what? What is left? There's Jan Blahovich next theoretically, and like. Corey Anderson, who probably only didn't get the Jones fight because he turned down, like, 30 other fights. And, like, Dominic Reyes, who, who, who whose win over uh, Volkan Uzmir probably hurt his stock more than anything. My, my, my first thought when I saw this fight announced was, boy, would this be a terrible way to find out, like, who Johnny Walker is and we see him, like, get taken down for three rounds. Like, <laughs> I, I, I am fully ready to see Johnny Walker like get his ass handed to him for like two and a half rounds, and then he hits like a jumping, spinning back kick to like Corey Anderson in like the fifth minute of the third round and <laughs> manages to get the win. Because that's that's how Corey Anderson loses fights in like the last fifteen <laughs> seconds of every single one of them. Yeah, that. Something about that fight has me a little nervous. I'm, I'm going for Walker, but Corey, Corey's been putting it all together lately. I'm like, boy, this this would be it would be such a buzzkill. And I don't want to hate on Corey, but uh, it, it it could happen. But we'll we'll see. That'll be going down at UFC 244. Um, at UFC 243, we'll have Holly Holm uh, rematching Raquel Pennington. Uh, I don't really have any thoughts on that fight cool i guess <laughs> it's, it's a thing uh, i i don't have any in-depth analysis um i i don't think raquel wins it because like she, she had it like the first fight was really competitive but penitence is not that fighter anymore like it, it seems like her confidence and um her durability and all that other good stuff that made her so scrappy is just like not gone completely, but it, it's definitely not there in the same volume as it was before. So, but then again, maybe Holly Holm, after getting knocked out, just like takes the nosedive off the cliff. She's like almost 40 years old. So, uh, well, we'll see. Next fight, really interesting. The beat. Magomed Sharapov versus Calvin Cater. Uh, this will be going down at UFC Boston. Who you, who you got in this one? Uh, you know, I got Cater. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. This this is one of those fights where like I could see Zabit possibly doing well for like a round and a half, and then like Cater just kind of figures him out, you know, because Zabit does kind of like a lot of wild stuff. Maybe maybe Zabit clips him or something, get, catch him with something crazy in the first round, but he doesn't, like, put him out. And, like, second round, like, Cater just kind of puts it together and just 
starts to go to work. Um, I mean, we've seen Zabit fade down the stretch. Cater is like a dude who seems to just get better as the fight goes along, as long as you're not like kicking his legs. Like, I, I really, I, I'm curious how Zabit handles the jab, because Cater might have the best one at featherweight right now, besides maybe like Max, but that that dude's jab is for real. And it sets up so much of his offense, and I can see Magomed Sharapov like circling, like, like trying to like slip a jab and circling into like a head kick or a right hand or something. Yeah, and and I was gonna say like as as much as like to beat is kind of very like he's he's wild and he's creative. Cater is like he's clean, man. Like everything he throws, like it's 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 clean. It's gonna be a good fight though. That's gonna be a really good fight. I'm I'm probably gonna edge I'm gonna edge Cater too also on that one, um, but that'll be going down at UFC Boston and then at UFC Copenhagen. Oh no, sorry, I skip. actually you know what I'll mention it anyway. Uh, UFC Copenhagen, uh, Nicholas Dalby is back in the UFC. Uh, he was over. He was in Cage Warriors, right? The Cage Warriors. Yeah, he was prior to being signed to the UFC the first time. I don't know where he's been since. He, might, he probably went yeah, back to I think Cage I watched Warriors. Cage Warriors. Cause, yeah, because I, I watched a couple of his uh, his fights over there. Um, he had a couple of pretty good pretty good scraps over there. So he he's back in the UFC, um, and he will be fighting Alex Oliveira, Cowboy Oliveira. So so can we talk about that real quick? Yeah, <laughs> when I saw that, but my first thought was, oh, that's an awesome fight. And then I had to sit back, like, hold on, hold on, hold on, Cowboy, Cowboy. Why why do? Yeah, he did some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like he did, he did some so, things, so, some some bad things apparently. Yeah, and was that ever cleared up? I no, no one. I'm I'm I haven't researched this, and guys, like I said, we're we're recording this the night of. Uh, this wasn't really planned, so forgive me for lack of of research. I'm gonna guess and say one of two things happened, either. He's not, like, officially, I guess, like, at trial yet, and they're just, you know, waiting for everything to sort out, and while that happens, he's just still fighting, or they just kind of just didn't care, and I could honestly just kind of see either of those. I mean, if we're being real, like, the UFC has just stopped caring about whether their fighters are in legal trouble or not. Des Green fought three times (laughs) after he murdered two people. Yeah. Uh, freaking BJ Penn is out here every, like, couple months still getting fights. Because Lord knows we all need to see him fight. Despite the fact that he's out here also apparently getting, like, restraining orders put on him and, like, fighting dudes with machete and, like, lame praying bouncers. It's bizarre. He just straight up stopped caring. <laughs> yeah, at, at, at this point, like, the the only way you won't make it to the octagon is just you just kind of have to get arrested beforehand. But even then, like, remember when Jeremy Stevens got arrested and then, like he fought like a month later? <laughs> yeah, like this. Like he got arrested like the day he was supposed to fight. So like, dude, I don't want to make this a whole thing, but like, I mean, because I know you can't really compare like the UFC to like the NBA. It's you know because. UFC, you get like you have like different commissions and different, uh, you know, different athletic commissions. It's, it's kind of just it's run differently. 
But is there like not a? <laughs> I guess there's no like code of conduct. Like the only thing you really get in trouble for is a drug test. I mean, like there used to be. Like, is Matt Hughes still the fucking like? Did Matt Hughes get hit by the train just like completely derail the UFC's like code of conduct because he was the guy in charge of enforcing it? Yeah, Mind you, like he is the he's one of the least qualified mixed martial artists to 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 hold such a position, but he, he I I I have to imagine no one has filled that position since he got hurt. Yeah, because nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, at this point, there is no uh, there is no code of conduct. Run wild, do whatever you want. Drink, beat up people, apparently murder people. It's it's all as long as you can make it to the octagon. It's like who's gonna call them out on it? Like really? Like ESPN isn't gonna say shit. They want BJ Penn to fight. I'll say that, that that'll be one of those fights that I I wait for, and I'll just see how commentary handles it. I mean, they're fucking talking about booking Jones right now, and it's like Jones has an issue going on right now. I don't know, like. Well, he he's a different case. He's he's gotten out of far worse, so I guess they could probably figure there's, <laughs> it's probably not even the need to bring it up. I mean, like a week after the New York Times story about Conor McGregor comes out, Dana White's talking about, yeah, no, we're not gonna give him a title shot. We're gonna try, we're gonna try to make this Cowboy Cerrone fight happen. Yeah. Friggin' like, nope, nothing matters. Like, if you could make it to fucking work. You can make it to work, yeah. I guess. Just don't get arrested before you get there. You know. Yeah, just just make it in one piece, and you can throw on the gloves and do whatever you want. But that'll that'll be a fight. But I'm glad Nicholas Dalby's back. Congrats to him. He's been outside of the UFC handling business, so glad he uh he got he got an opportunity to come back. And the uh, last trio of fight announcements, at least for the UFC, I have announced. Sorry, not trio, a uh, duo. Uh, this will be at UFC Washington, D.C. We're going to have Aspen Ladd versus Jana Kunitskaya and Claudia Gadelia versus Cynthia Calvillo. Um, I meant to write this down, but I did not. Did you see the thing about Aspen Ladd? Um, yeah, she got her, she got her Bantamweight license revoked, yeah. which I didn't realize they had, like, I honestly don't know much about the licensing process other than you have to pass a medical and stuff, but I didn't realize that it was for, like, a certain weight class. I want to say, uh, I'm going to have to, like, find this on the fly. If I remember correctly, she, I can't remember if, like, she made weight, but then the next day she weighed in at, like, 153 pounds. <laughs> yeah, that is, <laughs> that is crazy. Like, that is, okay, hold on, I'm, uh, I'm pulling up the article now. Um, okay, yep, UFC, Bantamweight, Aspen Ladd will have to jump through a few hoops to face Yana Kuniskaya at 135 pounds after gaining 18% of her weight between weigh-ins and fight day, uh, for her bout against, uh, Durandami. Uh, do, do, do. this is her, uh, California State Athletic Commission, uh, alright, so it says, the suspension doesn't rule Ladd out of a scheduled bout, 
with Kuniskaya and DC, she can get cleared to compete at Bantamweight if she can provide the commission extensive medic medical documentation to prove she's capable of fighting safely in the division. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what that entails. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how that whole process really works, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wonder, I don't know, she, you know, I don't really follow Lad, like, outside of, like, when she's actually fighting. I'm wondering, is it actually a size thing? Is she somebody who should naturally be a featherweight? Or is she just somebody who, outside of the octagon, like, isn't taking care of themselves, I guess, as best as they possibly could? I, I think, I, I think she's a featherweight. Like, like, she, like, I, no, I, I think that's what it just comes down to. I think she's just a featherweight. Like, you look at her, there's not a lot of places for her to lose weight. Um, Especially if she wants to keep fighting the way she does, where overpowering her opponent physically is just um, a necessary part of uh, her approach. So, yeah, no, she's a featherweight. Like, And that kind of sucks, because, I mean... Obviously, you would want to go up to a healthier weight class because, you know, you, for health reasons and, you know, honestly, without cutting that much weight, she probably would fight, or you would think, possibly would even be better at featherweight. But you just look at the featherweight division, and I could see why she's trying to cut so much weight to go to 35 because, like, at least at, at bantamweight, you're going to have so much more opportunities just to fight in general as to where featherweight is just kind of this this desolate just wasteland. <laughs> now there's even no cyborgs. It's like, what am I even? There, there's Nunez, and like that's it, you know. I mean, all fairness, like, or if I'm gonna fight, if I'm gonna fight Nunez, I want to be as least susceptible to getting my brain concussed as possible. Very true. And seeing as how the first punch Jermaine Deronami landed on her, knocked her senseless. Um. Yeah. No. Like. I don't need to see all that. Yeah. Oh, I got the weight wrong and everything. Shit. Fucking 159 pounds. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. If she provides this extensive <laughs> whatever they want her to provide, uh, maybe we'll see her at Bantamweight or this might be like the last fight at Bantamweight. I mean, if, if you go to Featherweight, I guess, I don't know. You got Felicia Spencer up there now. Got uh, Megan. Megan, that's kind of it. Like, <laughs> uh, Farrah dos Santos, but nobody knows who that is except for me. Um, yeah, no, like that. Uh, you'd want the UFC to sign more fighters, but they just got rid of their, the you know the the marquee one forty five or so. Who knows how long they plan to keep a one forty five around? Beyond just having Amanda Nunes have another division to fight in right. once a year. Yeah, it, that division just never. I'm I'm glad it happened, just for the sake of Cyborg. But it was just one of those things where it just seemed like they never really fully committed to it. Like they just, nope. Yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll see. So put put a. 
put an asterisk uh, asterisk mark next to Aspen Lab versus Kunitskaya that may or may not be a thing depending on how this uh, how that shakes out with the, the athletic commission and, and what so have you. But either way, uh, if those two fights do happen, that'll be going down in Washington D.C. Um, that's all I have for UFC fight announcements, uh, for Bellator fight announcements. Cronery uh, Gracie will be fighting Oscar Vera at Bellator 225. And uh, the other Bellator note, it's not a fight announcement, but something I thought was interesting. So I didn't know that uh, <laughs> uh, Carlo uh, Pedrosali, he got yes. cut. He's out of there. He's out of the UFC. Um. And he got picked up by Bellator. And I, I just, I, mean, I thought it was kind of interesting because <laughs> I, I I definitely know why Bellator got him. Because, my God, we can't keep sending Alessio Sakar to Italy. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, you can, can. they can and they will. <laughs> yeah, they can and they will, but it's like, Jesus Christ, man, there's got to be, you got to find another guy. So, I, you know, may, maybe they're hoping Carlo can be be that guy or just just another guy when they go to Italy he can be somebody they showcase um so I thought that was interesting that they picked him up but the, the other side of the story that kind of sucks about him being released from the UFC is we we always hear about fighters taking fights on short notice and all three of his fights were on short notice he got cut for it and it's what he gets they're right <laughs> and it's like it's it's one of those things where like I hate to harp on Dana, but he he always you know it's it's a Dana thing. He 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 says this. I'm not like pulling this out of the sky. You know when you when you when you get the call, you take the fight. Like that's we we've heard that phrase be uttered many a times. And so Perisali has taken this call on more than one occasion when he hasn't had a chance to have a full training camp, and now he's gone. So like. I don't know. Make make of that what you will. Make of that what you will. Dana is a liar. Yeah. <laughs> like you can take the fight. Just beware of what can hey, and possibly will happen to you if you know it. It doesn't go your way. And I, I like. No, nah, I don't want to make this a whole thing, but like, for like people towards fighters have this. I don't really know what to call it. Like these superhero expectations. You know, you need mm -hmm. to fight anytime, anywhere, any day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, one week notice, one minute notice. And there are some people like that, you know, I get it. But at the end of the day, like, you still need time to, like, prepare. Like, you still... You're a brand. Right. Like... And, and, and like your your body and your fight prep, like that means something. That, that means yeah, it means everything. Yeah, like so, you, yeah. So it's it's yeah, just I, I thought that kind of sucked, but at least he you know he landed on his feet over in Bellator. They'll have you. Don't worry, Carlo. They'll have you in Italy every chance they get. <laughs> they got three. They got three cards coming up October twelfth. You're gonna. He's gonna fight. He's gonna be on all three of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he has a kickboxing background, but get ready, bro. They're, they're throwing you in there. I'm. I'm looking at their card right now, and I'm like, 
they have an Italian dude who's fighting in Ireland like two months earlier. I'm just like, why? Yeah, yeah. Not, not even like two weeks earlier. Like, dude, just just <laughs> send them to Italy. That's all they care about. How much, money, go... how much money are they actually making over there? I, someone has to be paying for them to go there. Because it really like, seems like they, they really make it a point. Like, Dude, the, according to them, they get like mad bank on the gate. I, I don't know, like... I, I don't know. Oh my god! Some I read the story from somebody who was like, "Oh, this is why they go to Italy and Israel and so and so." I don't. Hmm. I, like I I don't remember the story off the top of my head though. Somebody somebody's Italy. Somebody in Italy is throwing the bag. Some somebody's got the bag. Yep. Italy, Italy and Israel. But uh, either way. Carlo Pedersali Jr. He's he's in Bellator now, and the uh, last fight announcement, uh, which I guess also may have a question mark slash asterisk, uh, Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua are supposedly rematching in December, but there are rumors floating around that Ruiz wants more money, and then there's the also the other thing of it taking place in Saudi Arabia. If you don't know why that's an issue, go go look it up. <laughs> I'm not gonna get on the soapbox about that. That's a whole other issue in and of itself. But um, so that that might possibly be a thing, but you know, not set in stone yet. So you know, hold, hold your horses. But just... Andy Ruiz wants more money, which rightfully so, because apparently they're uh, to have the fight in Saudi Arabia. Somebody was willing to um to to cough up a hundred million dollars. And Andy Ruiz is only guaranteed a nine million dollar purse, so Yeah, no, I'ma need uh I'm gonna need a little more of that. <laughs> Definitely gonna need a little more of that. But um yeah, so just put an asterisk next to that uh that fight. It it it'll, it's probably gonna happen, but you know, just it'll happen eventually, but we just don't know when. But uh that's all I got for fight announcements and then for news Slow news week, not a lot going on. Um, uh, one quick news story: uh, Herbert Burns, the brother of Gilbert Burns, got signed to the UFC after winning his fight uh, on Dana White's Contender Series. I wanted to bring this up because I, I referenced him in a previous episode, but I actually mixed him up with another gentleman whose name I can't remember. But Herbert Burns, who I referenced before, was on uh, a Titan FC card that happened. Or, uh, I think it was earlier this year, and it was a card that Dana White was there for his, you know, looking for a fight, whatever, whatever, and Herbert Burns had a good performance, and everybody just assumed, like, he's going to get signed, and he didn't get signed, um, but he ended up on the Contender Series, um, got a win, so got signed to UFC, and he's really been holding it down, like, dude was in one championship at one point, uh, he went 5-0, and he beat um, uh, Timothy, um, uh, that's the you kid. Yeah, beat him. For guys who don't know, who that is that's the gentleman who knocked out Eddie Alvarez <laughs> in his one championship debut. Herbert Burns has a win over him. Dude's been really holding it down out here. Um, a lot of people feel like he's been 
kind of getting snubbed and like not getting signed to the UFC. So uh, he finally has his chance. Don't know if he really has an opponent. Uh, pretty sure he doesn't have an opponent named yet. But we'll get to see him at some point. And the last bit of news, uh, Frankie Edgar, who just recently coming off of his loss to Max Holloway, uh, announced that he will be dropping to Bantamweight. I wasn't too thrilled with this, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, I'll watch and see how it plays out. I can't really say I was excited for it, but I'll 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 reserve judgment and I'll just kind of see what happens. But I'm not. I don't know. I just I kind of don't. Um, it's, a, it's like he's lost uh, in his quest for the featherweight title. He's lost three times. Uh, he's lost. He, he just lost a, a dude who's still young. Theoretically, will hold the title for a while longer. Like I, I get why they're doing it, because Frankie, like, uh, like the like uh, Henry has said for years. Um, Frank Yeager could definitely make 135, but he's he's 37 years old. He's going to be giving up so much speed to do it. Like, and not that featherweight's full of like a bunch of feather-fisted cats, but like, do you really want to see it? Frankie Edgar versus like Petter Jan? Yeah, I, I was going to say like a like couple... a weight drained Frankie Edgar versus like some of these like just big hitters. A couple, a couple of years ago, had he dropped the thirty-five, I think he would have been good. Now, like after this division has really like kind of taken form and has become one of the deeper divisions in the UFC, like bro, there are some killers at thirty-five. Like there are dudes at thirty-five who hit like forty-fivers. And like you said, you're giving up speed. Some of these dudes are still pretty big, like. It's not going to get any easier. <laughs> like, it, I don't... It's not going to get any easier. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's Frankie. Can he get a couple of wins at Bantamweight? Sure, he probably can get a couple. Is he going to win a title? Mm-mm. I don't see it. I, I don't see it. Um, not, I, not, not with Triple C at the, at the top <laughs> of the bro. Nah, he... Frankie's about, probably about three years too late, man. Three or four years too late. Like, he should have been in Bantamweight back when it was, like, Cruz and Faber and, uh, like, Henan Burrell was, like, still good. <laughs> like, he, he should have been there back then. Or maybe, like, a little bit after. But I, I think the window, I, I think that window closed now. Um, yeah, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's not that I don't think Frankie. I think he still has some left in the tank. It's just that I don't. I don't know. I just I just don't really see this going well for him. I, I don't I don't see this leading to a championship run. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. We'll 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 see how that goes. But I'm I'm not gonna hold my breath. But. We'll see. I'll, I'll be interested. To, I'll have my eye on whoever that first matchup is. So I'll I'll be interested to see who they who they pair him up with. But that's all I got for uh, fight news and announcements. 
uh, like I said, not not really a busy week, but in terms of quality, I pretty much like all of these fight announcements. Like these are all fights that I'm actually really looking forward to seeing. So second half of this year uh, should should be pretty fun. And as far as the cards uh, that we'll cover tonight, uh, like I said, PFL had a card, but it was light heavyweights and heavyweights and Jared Rochalt versus Satoshi Ishii and yeah, I'm not uh. <laughs> I'm just I'm not really down to to cover that, but I'll give a brief mention of Invicta. Uh, they had a card Invicta FC 36. Uh, that went down. What day was that? The ninth, Friday. Thing? Thursday. Thursday. Wait, oh Invicta uh, Friday, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And yeah, this main event was this. My bad. Featherweight or Bantamweight? Featherweight. Featherweight, yeah. So this was headline. Uh, featherweight world title match between Pam Sorison and Caitlin Young. Um, unfortunately, I can't really give breakdowns to any of these fights because I didn't really watch the card at all. But I just wanted to give them a shout-out. Uh, I have Fight Pass, so I'll eventually go back and rewatch this. But uh, Pam Sorensen is now your Invicta FC featherweight champion. I didn't see the match, but I heard she put it on Caitlin. Uh, she defeated Caitlin Young uh, via doo -doo -doo, unanimous decision. Uh, like I said, I didn't see the fight, but I heard Pam Sorensen put them things on her. Um, so I'll, I'll have to go back and rewatch for myself. But congrats to Pam Sorensen, Victor FC uh, featherweight champion. Yes. Um, I, you know, I didn't see it. The, I guess I only saw the, the first half of this card. So... Bring it to the UFC. We need bodies. <laughs> we need anybody. So she can out wrestle Megan Anderson. Right. <laughs> Bring her and Caitlyn. Bring both of them. <laughs> like, like Caitlyn Young versus Megan Anderson to be like the curtain jerker or the feature prelim for that Australia Stadium card would be great because they would literally try to kill each other. Hey. Yeah. Listen, like, that's, all, that's all you need them to do. Hey, you don't man. need them to be good. All right, <laughs> we, just, we just need blood. <laughs> Bring both of them, Ben. But congrats to Pam Sorensen, uh, new Victor FC featherweight champ. Uh, in the co-main event, had Emily Dakota defeating uh, Yanisa Morandon via TKO in round one. Uh, we had Jessa Correa Delbani defeating Lindsay Van Zant via split decision. Why does her name sound really familiar? Lindsay Van Zant's the woman who um who submitted Rena at Bellator. Okay, right. her and Jessica. I feel like I recognize. Well, I've probably seen Jessica on another Invicta card. Jessica. I feel like I've heard their name somewhere before. Jess, I'm sorry. One second. Invicta thirty-six. Jessica as in uh Jessica. Oh, Del uh Delboni. Oh, she's a yeah, she was. She won Invicta and Shooter. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've seen. I've, I feel like I've seen her. It might have been that Invicta card. I might have watched that one. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the Felicia Spencer card. So I probably did see her on that card. Uh, but she defeated Lindsay Van Sant uh, via uh, split yes, decision. Uh, moving down, Victoria Leonardo defeated Stephanie Gelchmeyer via unanimous decision. Um, from what I heard, this was like an amazing fight that everybody should go watch. So. Uh, go give it a watch. There you go. I heard there was a lot of blood and guts. Hey, that's what and that's what we're here for. 
<laughs> we, mm. we, we here for the violence. Yeah, um, but this is like the the fight before the last fight I saw. Or yeah, so. And then we have was this uh, Elise Anderson versus Katie Saul. Uh, Elise Anderson won via split decision. And then we had Caitlin uh, Caitlin Sammons versus Chantel Coates. Uh, Caitlin Sammons won via rear naked choke in round two. Uh, is, is that one of the fights you saw? Uh, yes. Uh, Coates did, uh, did an okay job in the first one. Like, it, it was re- she's very much like an MMA. I'm I hit really hard and I don't really have a lot of experience in like striking. But like I hit really hard, so like that's her whole thing. Um, Kayla Simmons did a good job of just not getting hit clean, and then in the last like minute and a half of the third, uh, the second round, like she just managed to get to Coates back and lock up a rear naked choke. Um, yeah, no, uh, I was a little sad because like I like Coates. Oh, yeah, she, Coach was the one who uh, took Old Girl's head off in, like, 30 seconds. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She hit hella hard. Yeah. <laughs> she she put her mind, body, and soul into them punches. Um, but Caitlin uh, won via rear naked choke. And then uh, we had Aaron Harp uh, defeated Autumn Norton via split decision. And Julia... Odalino defeated Megan Colley via unanimous decision. Uh, so that was Invicta FC 36. Uh, I have to go back and give that uh, Victoria Leonardo fight a watch. Um, but I mean, you know, if you guys got fight pass, go back, give it a watch. Invicta FC cards are normally pretty good, so go back, give it a watch, and hopefully Pam Swanson and Caitlin Young can find their way to the UFC um, if, if the UFC actually wants to make featherweight like a thing. After all these years, um, they don't. <laughs> they probably don't, but you know, if they do, you know, just just two names, you guys can just you know, send them on over, man. Just just send them on over. But that was Invicta FC 36. And with that being said, we can uh, just uh, go ahead and move on to the main event of the evening: UFC Uruguay and Mont is Montevideo Mont- Montevideo. Montevideo. Montevideo, uh, Uruguay, or Uruguay. I'm going to say that wrong. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um, uh, that went down tonight as of this recording because we're recording the same night. Um, headlined by Valentina Shevchenko and Liz Carmouche, who uh, are fighting in what was an actual rematch. Their first fight was back in, like, 2010 and some regional promotion that I'm not sure of. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but... Uh, Carmouche won the first match via TKO, I think, by like a doctor stoppage, something like that. Caught up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She caught up kick uh, in a fight that she was winning, and more, and the doctor stopped the fight on the cut. So they they rematched some nine years later, and uh, we'll just <laughs> take this from the top. Um. So Shevchenko versus Carmouche for the uh, flyweight title. Um, this mm. fight woke me up for all the wrong reasons because I was like, because <laughs> I was like ba- barely hanging on by a thread. But like, the more I watch this fight, the more I'm like, what? 
what is happening? Why, 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 like, why did Liz Carmouche bother to go all the way to Uruguay to do this? Coming off the Perry Luque fight, boy, was this a uh... kick in the teeth. Yeah, and, and you know what? I gave it, I gave it a pass for the first round. I said, you know what? First round, feel out round. You know, Carmouche is kind of using some footwork. I'm not mad at it. She didn't really take a lot of damage. So I'm like, all right, cool. I get it. First round, feel out round. It is what it is. That that happens sometimes. Then the second round starts. And it's like the exact same thing. And it's like, all right, guys. You know, Liz Carmouche is doing all this in and out movement on the outside. And like periodically she'll throw a leg kick. Maybe every 30 seconds. Uh... Shevchenko, who we know, isn't really like an aggressor, uh, really great at countering, but if you come to her, she'll light you up. But she doesn't sometimes really go out of her way to make things happen. She just uh, that's like a that's an understatement. She is <laughs> like she she is a born in the wool counter puncher slash counter kickboxer like. There is there there's very little aggression in her game, other than when like she she has to score like some quick points. Like we saw her throwing those like Superman punches and stuff. Yeah, like she she had these little flashy moments to kind of. I mean, she was winning the fight, but she she had these flashy moments to kind of like, all right, let me just kind of seal this so nothing crazy happens with these judges. Like she caught Carmouche with like a three piece and dropped her. I can't remember if that was the second or the third round. It was a third round. Yeah, dropped her. Like I said, she uh, did a Superman punch. Uh, she did one nice, nice little combo that ended with like a leg kick. Um, she did the spinning back fist, which I don't think landed completely flush, but it was a spinning back fist, so style points. <laughs> and then she had the, the slam that I think that was in like the second round. Um, like in the span of like a minute, Shevchenko drops Liz Carmouche, lets her back up, and then hits a fucking lateral drop on her. At that point, like, just cancel the freaking fight. You know, like, at that point, I was like, all right, Carmouche, like, I know you're not, like, the most aggressive fighter, but, bro, you can put this away, man. Like, <laughs> we, you don't need to make us watch five rounds of y'all just kind of dancing around each other and periodically every so often somebody decides, all right, I'm going to throw something. Um... What happened to the Liz Carmouche that fought, like, Ronda Rousey and Jessica Andrade? Where she just got them down, like, just got them down, got to the back, and was just like, I'm content to do this. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I, like, where, where's the dog? Yes, yeah, see, I guess I expected this fight. I, I, no, I didn't think it was going to be, like, a barn burner or anything like that. But I thought this fight would be a little more of Carmouche working her way inside and maybe, like, clinching with Valentina to take her down to make it like one of them kind of like just really kind of like ugly kind of grimy fights and it just wasn't that (laughs) at all like I don't mind all the footwork she was doing on the outside but you can't do all of that footwork and like not do anything like there were just stretches where she just she just did nothing. Like, there's just 
I'm just gonna move in and out and dance around outside. And like I said, I'll I'll throw a leg kick every thirty seconds, but like that's that's it. And then <laughs> I know you heard this. I don't remember what round. I think it was the last round. It was the end of the fourth going into the fifth when she's in her corner and they're like, I believe you can win this fight, Liz. And I'm like, bruh, <laughs> don't lie to her like that. Dude, after the second... <laughs> mm. After the second round, they were like, you're doing perfectly. You're following the game plan. I was just like, yeah, can we talk... What the... Is this the worst game plan anybody's ever had to win any title ever, right? Like... It has to be. Yeah, there was no, um... Yeah, I don't see... If she was following the game plan, like, Chief, this ain't it. You n n Nobody went... You don't win titles like this. Like, <laughs> you don't... You're not gonna win a title just kind of dancing around on the outside and throwing a leg kick every so often. Because she, she just had nothing else to offer. And I'm, I'm wondering if she didn't go for takedowns because she got manhandled when she got slammed. Like... <laughs> Maybe she felt that strength and was like, oh, I, I can't do anything with that. Um, and I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find positives. I, I guess I, I, you have to give some credit to, to Shevchenko, I think, kind of for Liz's performance. Because at some point you would think later in the fight, it's like, all right, I kind of just need to go for broke because I'm, I'm clearly losing on the scorecards and I, just, I, I, need, some, I need to do something. But any time, like, it got real and it got heated, she got dropped, she got Superman punched, you know. She couldn't get in and do anything because she, she would get lit up, even if it was just for, just like a really small brief moment in time, but. So it's like, if I rush in, I get lit up. We, we had a, one mini, you know, clinch exchange and I got slammed on my back for my troubles. She was out there kind of lost, like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say about this fight other than it, for five rounds, it was not aesthetically pleasing. Um, like, I, I'm... Like, this is basically what I kind of expected because Karmushi's turned into a counterfighter and Shevchenko's always been a counterfighter. But, like... At the same time, it's just like I, I can't be too critical of Shevchenko, not because she couldn't have done more, but because like I, I'm so confused as to what the game plan was for Miss Carmouche. Like, what did like they spent weeks getting ready for this fight, and like I don't know what the plan was. Like, what were they working on? Because it, it felt like at a certain point she was just fighting like to just not lose. And not not lose, but just like not get her ass kicked. Yeah, to me that's what it seemed like. It's like just don't don't end up on a highlight reel. Which I guess, you know, if, if that was the goal, I guess accomplished. But I don't know. <laughs> I just I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have a lot, honestly. It's not really much to really dive into about that fight. Um, Shevchenko won via unanimous decision. She won pretty handily all five rounds. If you missed it, do you need to go back and watch it? Nah. <laughs> like, you can watch highlights, and the highlights will show you, like, the, the, the four 
semi-exciting moments that happened. You don't need to see nothing else. It, it wasn't a... Was not a lot going on. Yeah, that was it. I don't think there's really much else to really, really deep dive into. Um, <laughs> so, that was it, man. Valentina Shevchenko uh, retained her flyweight title via unanimous decision over Liz Carmouche. And we'll see whoever the next person up is. Hopefully they learn from this and they just throw somebody at uh, Shevchenko who just has no freaking like uh, self-preservation instincts like Liz Carmouche does. <laughs> just, just throw Jessica I back out there. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, 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 we don't need that. She don't I, need that. I need that. You know, we, we've talked about the gauntlet on this podcast. You know, we just got to do next person up. Whoever's on a two-fight win streak, it's up to you. They, uh, the world is in your hands. Go uh, go be all you can be. Try not to die. But that was a title fight. Wasn't that great. Not wasn't, really anything else to say. Wasn't good. No. <laughs> it was, was not good. That, that was, uh... Average at best, and that's being, uh, that's being polite. But moving on to a fight that did live up to the hype, that was every bit of violence that we thought it would be, uh, left a man with a severely broken nose that looked like he caught one of those Mortal Kombat uh, fatal hits. Uh, Vincente Luque and Mike Perry fought for the violent weight title <laughs> in the co-main event. Um, this fight gave me... Everything I thought it would. Um, I did think one of them would get finished. <clears throat> I thought I thought somebody would make it. Um, honestly, I'm surprised it went all three, but I, I thought somebody by the third would just kind of just be out of it. Like, they probably just would have accumulated too much damage and just <laughs> just kind of would have been like the Roy uh, Lawler fight where they just get jabbed and it's like, bro, my face just fell off and I just, I got to stop. But, nah, man, they, these two dudes, man, Luke and Perry, just hands for just for hands and feet and knees uh for three rounds really um close fight i thought perry started off pretty good um he's landed inside leg kick he seemed uh i feel like he started off that first round like he was really fast he was pretty crisp um seemed a little quicker to the punch but once the fight really got settled in like really both of them were landing good shots um i felt like luke to me was a bit more, another word, um, I thought he had a, just a little more to offer in the arsenal, like, he, I thought he mixed, like, cause he, he would throw knees every so often, like, he, I feel like he just kind of, he has a, just a wee bit more in the arsenal, and I think he's, like, a bit more technically sound, they're, they're pretty evenly matched, but I just think they're, like, little small things that Luke a does better. Um, that I think that kind of helped him edge this fight out. But mm. Perry was doing really good. He he caught Luke with the left a couple of times. I'm pretty sure about a third. Like, both of them were pretty bloody, but Perry was a little worse. But I just remember D Luke doing things like he would land a knee every so often. Um, and I just thought he had just a little bit more kind of in his arsenal. But they it was a really good 
it was good to see from Perry, and we've said this in his last couple of fights, like, he's, and they mentioned it during commentary, like, he's, he's a wild man, and we've seen in his first couple of fights, like, when he first got to the UFC, he's just kind of out there just throwing bombs, but he, he did show in this fight that he can slow it down, he can be technical, he can pick his shots, um, he can still brawl if he needs to, but good, good to see him, like, just not go out there and just kind of be, like, crazy reckless, um, but nah, it was just, it was an awesome fight. Just back and forth, both guys landing shots. And boy, in that, I think that was the third round where, like, <laughs> Luke goes for the guillotine, and all of the blood in Mike Perry's body is just... Drained. Just just gone. Like, I don't know how this man just didn't pass out. Like, all of the blood in his body is just draining on Luke uh, while Luke's going for this guillotine, and Perry gets out of it. And I think it was a knee that broke Perry's nose, and his nose just looked like the entire middle section of his nose just looked like they got pushed back into his face. It was, it was disgusting. Um, <laughs> but no, nah, th- this was an awesome, just really nice, contained chaos, like technical, just kind of violent matchup that I, we all kind of thought we would get. Um, and it lived up to the hype. This was definitely probably one of, if not the best fight on the card. Um, got blood, hands, knees, feet. You got you got you had a little bit of everything going on in this fight. I, it it gave me everything I wanted, and I I can't complain. Yeah, uh, it was a great fight. Um, Perry, for the most part, like like when was the last time Perry fought? Let me just check real quick because I want to be 100% on this. So he fought like four months ago. So that's probably the longest break Perry's had in the UFC, if we're being real. So like you could you could see that he looked a little bit more fresh than we've seen him before. Like you know he had a little bit more like pep in his step, um, was a little quicker, worked a, a lot better with the jab. Um, and like you said, he was throwing those like inside leg kicks. Really chopping away at Vicente Luque. Wasn't throwing like a hundred percent on every single one of his shots like we've seen in the past, and might and uh, risk throwing um, throwing himself out of the fight. But like you also said, Vicente Luque is just the more technical, the more process-driven, um, versatile striker who was able to just mix things together in a way that eventually just, like, overwhelmed and uh, stupefied Perry a little bit. Like, Perry was still landing, but just not with the same clean uh, cleanness that he was early in the fight. Um, yeah, Luke whatever, like, slow starter, gets hurt fighting everybody he fights, like, in the first round, goes out there, and actually doesn't get seriously hurt which surprised me because I, I like my thought process for this fight was uh, it's going to be a finish it's gonna, probably going to be okay late by either like TKO or sub but it's only probably going to happen after Perry like knocks him down in like two or three times in the first round right but um yeah no stay composed um Never overcommitted on anything, which I think is like a big reason why he 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 didn't get knocked down here. Um, 
or, or ever get like seriously too hurt. Like that's another thing. Like for as fucked up as Perry was after their after the fight, like Luke never like never went down, never really shelled up along the fence. It was just like, you know, referee, please save me or try to get saved by the bell. Um, this is a really solid all-around performance. Like, when they when they booked this fight, I was kind of upset that Luke wasn't getting a ranked opponent, but, like, Perry is probably better than fighting, like, Neil Magny or whatever because, for whatever reason, people are drawn to Perry. And he's a name. Um, and you get fights like this, like, I, I'm cool, like, I'm cool with Luke, I, like, I know Luke has to stay busy, but I'm cool with him not fighting again this year, because this is, between this and the Brian Barbarana fight, I can only imagine, uh, it, his brain is not doing too well. So, and Perry, like, if anything, like, they could both take the rest of the year off. I know Perry was getting, uh, they were talking about commentary about Perry getting married, and, like, he was taking a take time off. Which is good, because that dude's brain is, like, all types of fucked up right now. Um. Yeah, um. Yeah, like I said, I think it, not, like I said, I, I kind of want to see Luke get a ranked opponent too, but they didn't mention it during the commentary. Sometimes the name is just. More important. Yeah, more important, a little better. Um, but at this point. Was what five in a row, six in a row? Five, I think. Uh, let me check. Uh, you know, I'm gonna just say five because I'm feeling lazy. That's right. At this point, uh, get a, get a man is a uh, is top ten, fifteen or whatever you gotta give him. Nah, man, give him a ten, top ten, fuck it. Yeah, let the let the violence go. Let let the man let let the man let his hands go. Um. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Uh, moving on down the card once again. Um, at featherweight, we had Luis Eduardo Gregory, Gregory, uh, versus Humberto uh, Bandernay. Um. This was, I think, Gregory's debut. He was the only fighter from Uruguay on the card. And he came to throw fisticuffs. Um, <laughs> there were just a lot of hands and feet thrown during this fight. Um, I think you had mentioned it earlier uh, before we started recording. A lot of looping kind of shots. A lot of like really just loaded up, kind of uh, plant your feet and throw. Yeah, not a lot of, uh, I guess, thought being put into what was being thrown by either guy. Yeah, no, we were, they were just out here just... It was out here button mashing. <laughs> like, they, they were just out here throwing. Uh, I'll give both of them props for having chins because they both ate some shots. But, um, Gargory just, I think, landed landed more. He hurt um, Bandanay a couple times. He throws the uppercut like a wind-up toy. I feel like all of his punches are like the wind-up toy. Like, he cocks all the way back and just kind of, he just, you know, 100% mind body and soul into everything um this fight was unexpectedly fun because i honestly didn't remember well obviously i wouldn't know garbagori because it was his debut but like, i remembered bandernay's name but i i couldn't like place a finger on the fights that i had seen him in 
So this fight was like pleasantly surprising because it was just, it was one of those nice just, sometimes you just want a violent scrap to watch. Like you just want a fun, you know, just a nice fun rock'em sock'em kind of fight. And I think this gave, this this fulfilled that that kind of void. Uh, I didn't say void, but this this fulfilled that need. This this gave us that. I just I just want to see two guys just kind of throw down. Um, and good good on Garagori. Like you're in your hometown. You're the only guy on the card. And you gotta like you gotta put on. Like <laughs> I feel like all the pressure's on you. Like you're in the hometown, and this you're the only guy from there on the entire card. So you gotta go in and show out. And he he did just that, man. Dude, just. All three rounds, just consist, consistent violence for, for three rounds was pretty much um, what this fight was. So good on Garagori's debut. You know, a lot a lot of times you hear about octagon jitters and people being nervous in their first fight. It ain't like there was none of that. He, or if he was, he got it out the way real quick because they just started throwing. And hands and, and feet started flying and uppercut started flying and... <laughs> Garagori got the better of them for over three rounds. Yeah, I, I watched this fight and I don't remember any of it. Like, <laughs> I, I remember a bunch of loading up and throwing and somebody's corner begging for like leg kicks and just the guy not throwing them. I think it was Garagori. Uh, Gar- uh, what the fuck is his name? Garagori. Garagori, alright. Yeah, like him just not throwing them when his coach asked for them. Um, but yeah, props to him, dude, like, it's not, uh, it's hard being the one guy from, like, your country to make it to the UFC, and then they put a whole fucking card in your country, and you have to win or else everybody goes home sad. Right. (laughs) So, you know, I'm I'm really, like, I really want to know why they chose Uruguay and not, like, Peru, or... Colombia or like one of these other countries. Like I don't, maybe Uruguay just is like a better economy or whatever, but know, it just seems like an odd choice. Well, this was their was this their first card there? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you got to tap on. Uh, you know, got to chart some new territory every now and again. Yeah, no, but they had like you could just do it in Lima. We have that. We have fighters who are actually from there and have like success and stuff. You know what I mean? We'll see. Kyle Gory opened the floodgates. He's he's gonna be the uh, the Uruguay. Uh, I don't say mascot, but he's gonna be like the poster boy now. I mean, maybe, like, but like he's also probably gonna be gone from the USC very soon. Like he he's not very good. I don't say gone. He might be, he might be one of those guys, kind of like they do with the China cards, where like we, you're only gonna fight when we come here. Oof. So if they come back to Uruguay next year, we'll, we'll see him. Actually, you know what though? You know what? No, I won't say that, because I feel like the way he fights, Dana is gonna like him. Like he, he'll appreciate that kind of style. So I won't even put that on him. We'll, we'll see him in another. He'll be back. And any guy who fights like that, you know. He kind of has the Brandon Davis, that's, that's his name, right? The Contender Series dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He kind of he has that, I think, kind of going for him. We'll see him again. Dana they, they, they likes those kind of guys. Um, 
But no, solid for a debut, though. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I'm all down for some Rock'em Sock'em. Um, and it's a debut, so, you know, I, I, I'll cut you a little bit of slack. Not sure how he'll do against higher-level competition. Might not want to wind up on every single punch. But from an entertainment, uh, entertainment perspective, you know, I appreciate it. So, shout-outs to uh, Luis Eduardo Garagori. He got the unanimous decision across the board. Moving on down to 205, Vulcan Uzdemir versus Alir Latifi. Um, a fight that has been booked and rebooked and booked and rebooked, I think, like three or four times. These two finally got to, uh, you know, let, 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 let one another have the smoke. And boy, oh boy, did Vulcan... Uh, <laughs> Like, I picked Vulcan to win, um, and I was pretty confident in that pick because I, I figured, like, Vulcan would be able to put him out. But he he beat the bricks off of him. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> 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 Once Latifi couldn't keep him down, it was basically just a slow, slow roll to the end. Yeah, it was a very slow and painful... Like, he really went out there and just schooled Latifi. Like, like you said, Latifi couldn't, he couldn't do anything consistent with the takedowns. And when they were on the feet, Vulcan just did a really good job of just constantly just pressure in his face, touching him up, getting in and out. Latifi didn't really have much to offer other than I, I can wing a, a punch or throw like a one-two, but he didn't really have much. And I was a little surprised. I thought he would just have a little more firepower or just would throw a little more, but Vulcan just boxed him up. Just, like, pressure, getting in and out, getting shots off, not really getting touched too much. Then he starts mixing it up with knees, and, boy, Latifi is just getting battered with everything. Like, mm-hmm. this dude is catching every strike under the sun. At By the second round, it, it looks like child abuse. Like, <laughs> By the second round, it's like, but this, this is almost hard to watch now. Like, y'all don't need to send this man out there anymore because he is just, he is getting destroyed on the feet. Like, this this is probably, outside of all the performances where Vulcan, like, starts dudes in, like, seven seconds. Like, this is one, this is one of the best Vulcan performances ever. And then the finishing sequence when he, I think he had caught him with a knee, had, had Latifi all discombobulated, and I think he caught him with a left against the cage, and that just kind of floored him, and that was pretty much the end of that. But Vulcan put a clinic, an absolute clinic on Latifi. Just Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, that, that, that was the best Vulcan we've seen so far in the UFC. Um, I mean, Latifi went out there and he had the game plan was to get the takedown and try to beat Vulcan up on the ground. Um, and managed to slam Vulcan on his freaking head with that, that that power double early in the first round. But like he, he couldn't do anything with it. He couldn't keep him down. And when they got back to feet, it was pretty clear that Uzdemir, the longer, quicker, uh, more technical striker, which is not going to allow um, Latifi to get anything going. I want to say the TV like cracked him a couple times, but it wasn't with anything like super, super clean or super, super hard. Uh, yeah, just all around great performance. Vulcan stopped the three fight losing streak. 
got a nice little highlight reel for his kit, uh, for, um, got a nice little kale for the highlight reel. And, you know, he's back in the winner's column. Like, now he can fight, um, the, I, I don't know. He said he wanted to fight Dominic Reyes again. Is that a fight you're interested in, or just kind of past it? No, um, um, like, 205 has a couple of other, I guess you would call them newcomers. <laughs> I don't know. Like, guys like, uh, so what's, uh, what's Alexander Rochick doing? Where's he been? Is that the right guy? Am I thinking the right guy? I can't remember if it was Rochick. I think it was Rochick. But mm. I feel like they're just other, like, uh, uh, oh we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a guy like him, what one of these like newer faces? Because there, there are a couple of guys like that. It, it's kind of wild we're saying this about two hundred five. So I feel like it hasn't been like this in forever. But there are a couple of uh, guys out there in, in two hundred five who are kind of on the up and up, mm-hmm. who could could use a, a bigger name. And Vulcan would definitely give them a test because Vulcan's not going to be an easy fight for anybody. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing him against like Alexander Rochik or even like the, well I, I don't know how long he wants to stay on the sideline, but like uh, fight a guy like a Ryan Span, like a, I, he might beat up Jimmy Crute. That might be too too quick. <laughs> <laughs> I like Crute. I don't want to see I don't want to see Crute catch the hands like that. But yeah, I, I don't want to see the Ray. I I I wouldn't want to see a Reyes rematch. Give him one of these newer guys who are kind of on the up and up and need a need a name to fight, because Vulcan is going to be a stiff enough test for them to, to kind of be a litmus test to see, like, where they're at, if they're ready to really take that next leap or not. Mm-hmm. Um, or, maybe, um, who, who's, um, I forgot, we, and we mentioned this, like, the last episode. Who's Wobbin fighting again? I can't remember. Oh, what's his name? Um, shit, I know this. Uh, Chris Wyman. Let me just check. He is fighting Dominic Reyes. Oh yeah. Let's see. I don't know. I feel like if Wyman wins, they're just gonna track him to a title shot. Yeah, why not? Because <laughs> I was gonna say I wouldn't mind seeing a Vulcan Wyman if Wyman were to were to get past that fight. If you're, if you're gonna give him. Somebody with a name, right. but um, I don't know. I think I think he has options. He has enough options on the table that I don't we don't think we need an immediate Reyes rematch. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Either way, though, great, just awesome performance from Vulcan. That was that was great. That was talk about just a slacking. Just he pulled out the paddle and he just he just spanked poor Latifi. It's weird seeing a guy like Latifi, who's built like Kratos, get beat up like he was like, <laughs> mortal. Like, right? Like <laughs> he made Kratos look human. Like Kratos got beat up and his got his lunch money stolen. That's yeah, that's that's wild. But congrats to Uzdemir, great win, won by KO in the second round. Uh, moving on down to middleweight, uh, we had Rodolfo Vieira versus Oscar Pihota. Um, so I have to let the listeners know, um, I was having internet problems today, ever since I got home from work, my internet was just randomly cutting on and off 
for long periods at a time. So I missed <laughs> a pretty decent portion of this fight. It only went two rounds. Um, I remember kind of watching it in spurts because once my internet went out, I switched the fight pass on my phone. But the uh, stream on my phone was a little choppy. So all I remember in this fight is in the very beginning of the fight, Pihota caught a pretty nasty quick jab. And then the, the stream would break up. And I just remember seeing Vieira go for a lot of takedowns. And it seemed like he was having success because every time my stream popped back up, Piotr was on his back somewhere. Um, and I guess somehow that led to our arm triangle choke. <laughs> I don't know what else happened because my, my internet was uh, was not cooperating with me. Um, it was, remember when we talked about, like, Alaska Doru and how there's just, like, always somebody for you to beat at, um, at middleweight? Oh. Yeah, it, it was kind of just that, like, Fiona did his best, but, like, it's just, it's just instincts uh, won out, um, like, Vieira was just able, like, I should say he was just able to get him down at will because that's not true. He uh, like he had to shoot a couple times each round to get um, Piotr down, but like once he did, Piotr didn't do himself any favors. He liked to pay off his back. He wasn't particularly like in a rush to get up, probably because you know Vieira's on top of you. You don't want to make a mistake. Um, like, hmm, but. Uh, this just seems like a fight where, like, Piotr has, like, experience. But at the same time, like, Vieira, like, the, like, the only way Vieira was going to lose this fight is if he can, if he got knocked out with, like, one punch. Um, he got, he got the takedown, got the mount, beat him up a little, and then got the arm triangle. Like, really simple stuff. Um, a little robotic on the feet, but it, it is what it is. Um. Uh, Metal weight, you can do that. Yeah, that, yeah, that. He's this is like his sixth pro fight. So. Ah, so yeah, he got got room for improvement. Yeah, he's only twenty nine, so. So you know, good, good win, good, good all round performance. Um. And that's basically it. Well. Vieira won via arm triangle choke second round. Um, I'll let you head off this next fight because I know that's your boy. I'll let you uh, let you talk about this one. And unfortunately, my internet kind of cut out a bit during this fight, which I was angry about because it was a fun fight. Oh yeah, um, it's crazy to think that Eric uh, Enrique um, Barzola was like this really try-hard wrestler who wasn't particularly good at wrestling, but like he like he had an engine, so he 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 would just go out there and shoot takedowns for like fifteen minutes at a time. And now he's like a kickboxer. All um, right. <laughs> throwing like spinning back kicks and shit. Um, but yeah, no, they, him and Bobby Moffat look good. Like, you can tell kickboxing is not really their thing. Like, this is obviously something they came to later in their careers, but like, they, they are sound kickboxers for MMA. Um,. Barzola, when he had that jab going, when he could put, like, three or four punches together, he was, like, really, really taking to Moffat. And Moffat um, was doing a really good job himself with the uh, behind the jab. Just 
with that range, like Barzola is just really small for featherweight. So like, no matter what he does, he's gonna have to like jump to close distance. Yeah, he kept leaping in with that left. Yeah, <laughs> he leaped in a lot. That left hook, which is the ugliest punch he was throwing, and <laughs> was just like tripping over his own feet. But like when it when it when it, he didn't actually have to jump in, and he was just throwing it from the like uh, from the chamber. It was actually pretty nice. Um, showed off some like really nice head movement. Was like slipping uh, bunches throughout. Um, would have liked to have seen him like counter more off those slips, or you know, hit a hit a pivot and uh, reset, and you know, force Moffat to turn into a punch. Might have been able to like put Moffat away that way, but. Um, it's all around really good fight. Um, if it wasn't for Luke versus uh, Perry, this was uh, this would have been a fight at night, in my opinion. I actually had no idea if they gave it a fight at night or not. They did not. Um, that sucks. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Th- this was like a this was like the diet Luke Perry fight. Like this fight had pretty much everything. That fight had probably minus the amount of blood <laughs> that was. Spilling from everybody's face. But, yeah, two dudes just kind of... Dudes just throwing. Just both guys landing good shots. Both guys landing combinations. Um, Barzola was, was... I think he was trying to trying to steal rounds at the very end, going for takedowns. Then, you know, he would literally do it at, like, the last couple seconds of the round. Yep. Um, <laughs> I just envisioned Dana White in the back just taking a pair of scissors to his contract. <laughs> like... <laughs> We we don't do that here, but um, yeah, I I I don't know if that really played a, a part in the judge's decision. Um, but either way, good on good on Barzola just to, to steal the last couple seconds in the round. You never really know what judges are looking at. But no, it like you said, it, it was a really fun fight. Both guys look pretty solid. Is Bobby dropped two in a row? I believe so. Yeah. And it, it sucks because, like, Bobby puts on, the, at least the last two fights I remember, the, he, he's been in good fights where he'll put on, like, a solid performance and it'll be a close fight, but, you know, ball just kind of doesn't roll in his court. But, um, no, nah, like you said, out, outside of Luke and Perry, this probably was the best fight of the night. Like, two dudes who just kind of went in and they just pedal to the metal, just... We just gonna throw everything. We just gonna lay it all out here and made made the best man win. Um, and Barzola went out, got the job done. Um, how many is that in a row for him? Uh, I want to say that's his first win. Uh, he was coming off a loss. I want to say yeah, he was coming off a loss to Kevin Aguilar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good to see him back in the win column. Um, yeah, like I said, he he's gotten a lot better, putting on pretty good fights. Um, and it sucks for Bobby because he seems to put on good fights also, but they just don't always result in a win. Um, but I, I think he's looked better since the last few times I've seen him. So maybe they bring him around for another one, hopefully. But no, th- this is a really dope fight. This is this is how you kick off a card. Like, you know it's going to be a good night when you get this kind of scrap to kick the card off. Especially since the prelims weren't particularly great. Yeah, uh yeah, yeah. the The prelims had some okay moments, but yeah, as a whole, it was it wasn't terrible. I, I'm not gonna say it was that bad, but there were just some fights that were just kind of like, all right, it's just kind of a thing that happened. But 
Yeah, like the thing that made them palatable was the fact that they were happening like right after the other. Right. Thank, but no, this, this. Yeah, thank God for Fight Pass, uh, not Fight Pass for uh, ESPN Plus, because with all those commercials, this card easily could have been over at like right. one thirty. <laughs> we'd still be, <laughs> we'd still be watching it right now. Exactly. Carmouche and Shevchenko would be in round three. Uh. And I, and I'd I'd be contemplating like, do I even want to record this tomorrow? Like, <laughs> do I even want to talk about this? Do I even want to um, watch him MMA anymore? Like, right. <laughs> but this main car was was fire. Like, this main car was really good. There were like out. You no, know, I can't even really down talk the Vieira fight because I didn't really see it. Outside of the main event, which does bring it down because you you kind of always want your main event to deliver, and it was kind of a dud. But outside of that, like all of these fights were good. Luke and Perry was fire like we thought it would be. I had no expectations for Garagori and Bandane, and that was a nice violent scrap. Like we said, Uzdemir beat the brakes off of Latifi, and that was crazy to watch. You know, Vieira ended his fight in the second round with Piotr, and Barzola and Bobby Moffat just threw hands like it was nobody's business. So if for nothing, if you missed this card, main card was with Heat. Minus the main event. Don't watch that. You don't got to do that to yourself. Yeah. Every, everything else, go back and watch. There was a lot of good moments. There was a lot of fists and feet and knees and uppercuts and elbows being thrown that you need to go back and watch. So that was the main card. Uh, moving on to the preliminary portion. Uh, got Gilbert Burns versus Alexei Kunchenko. Um Alexi, Boy, does, uh, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but like Alexei Kunchenko is the most disappointing Alexander Shlomenko prodigy ever. No spinning <laughs> shit. Yeah. None. Yeah, he he did not. Uh, <laughs> you would think trainer with Shlomenko. That's if if you don't take away anything, but we spinning. Hey, like <laughs> like dude, you are a professional dreidel. That is your job. You're a fucking Beyblade if you are a Shlomenko trained fighter. It's like those little, I forgot what they called. They were those little karate toys that you had to spin the knob to get them to like spin and kick. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you train with Shlomenko. That's that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, he he wasn't, uh, he wasn't spinning. He, he was not spinning. But, um, nah, good, um, Good performance from Burns. Um, he took this fight on short notice. I want to say, right? Yeah, less than two weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. For for a two week notice fight, um, and fighting above, uh, because normally lightweight fighting at welterweight, um, I can't really take anything away from Burns. Like just putting those two things in consideration, this is a really good performance. And for Burns, I'll say, boy, does it just pay to be well rounded. Um, this fight. Made me so happy in that third round. I'll, I'll get to it. But first two rounds, well, at least, at least first round, um, I, I say this in pretty much every Burns fight, but his striking has just gotten so much better since his first few fights in the UFC. Um, them, he looks so. Them kicks. Yeah. <laughs> he is so. He's so much more comfortable on the feet, and boy, he was killing Alexi with those kicks. Um. Did he, was it the first round where he dropped him? The kick? Yeah. I can't remember if that was the first or the second. Yes, I believe it was but, the first. Yeah, yeah, he was battering Konchenko with the kicks. 
Um, dropped him with one of them. Like I said, he's just he's really comfortable on the feet now. He can put together a good, some decent combinations, a nice one-two. He has decent power, and like I said, those those leg kicks are, are brutal. Um, he was taking it to Konchenko for the first couple rounds, and then he got tired. Yeah, <laughs> that that two week that two week notice started to kick in. <laughs> yeah, he he got he got tired in that third. I don't know if something was wrong with his leg, but he looked a bit compromised. And Konchenko, props to Konchenko. I, I enjoy when I enjoy seeing when a fighter is down and they kind of know they're down and they kind of go for it. Because um, it seemed like that's what happened in third. Like Konchenko started to open up more, and he was. There were moments where it looked like Burns was in trouble because he, he looked tired. He looked he looked gassed. It looked like he was just kind of out there surviving. Um, but he, he ate a lot of shots, and I was like, oh, boy, Konchenko. The, the, the chance for a comeback was there. He, he was landing some, some pretty good shots on Burns in the third. But, boy, oh, boy, this makes me happy. I have to do my little silent clap. Oh, I love, I love, I love a good fight, IQ. I love when a fighter realizes, oh snap, I'm losing this round. I shouldn't do what I'm currently doing because I don't want, you know, I don't want this comeback to happen. Oh snap, I'm a really good grappler. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> and that's just what he did. And like, he didn't do anything crazy with it. I feel like it, it just, it just bought him a lot of time. Because he was eating a lot of shots in the third, and it's like, all right, bro, you need to do something because Konchenko's about to pull this comeback, and I don't think you want that in your life. And he just was able to get, I think he got a couple takedowns and or, like, got Konchenko against the cage. He just did little things to kind of just stall the fight, slow it down in an area that he was so much better than Konchenko at. And it's kind of wild because you, you, I feel like in the last couple of fights we get so used to seeing Gilbert Burns strike because he's gotten so much more comfortable. But that grappling, that's that was his bread and butter. That was kind of like his selling point when he came to the UFC. Is that that's what he was so good at? And he bought it out when he really, really needed it. Because mm-hmm. we've seen so many other fighters be in a situation like that, and for whatever reason they'll choose to just I'm gonna just stay on the feet and take my chances. Next thing you know, you get knocked out. You're looking in the sky, and you know, life isn't so fun anymore. Yeah. So thank God for Gilbert Burns for being well-rounded and having a good fight IQ. Boy, was that fun to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really don't have any much uh, that much more to add. It was a pretty straightforward fight. Um. Yeah. No. The, the like I said, the mud kicks, man. Like they, they were really fucking with Gonchenko's day. Um, and vice versa, because Konjago landed some in the third round where, like, it seemed like uh, Burns' leg was hurt by one of them, or, like, maybe had pre-existing injury or something, but, like, he, he, he was very ginger on one of them legs in the third. Um, but, yeah, no props to Burns. Like, I, I, I like him at welterweight. I, I hope we see more of him there. Oh Lord! <laughs> Scrolling down my timeline and Mike Perry's nose pops up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude, anytime he fights from now on, it's gonna break like automatically. Like that—that's that's just something he's gonna have to deal with from now on. Yeah, yeah. No bueno, no bueno. 
But um, now great, great performance from Burns, man. That just anytime you hear the term fight IQ, go watch that fight. I want to see more fighters do that. <laughs> when you know you have an advantage at something, and it's it's getting a little real in there, fight ain't going so well. Just go to your bread and butter, especially if you know that you're you have that advantage over who you're fighting. Right. You know, just 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 do it. But uh. Props to both of them, though. It was, a, it was a pretty entertaining fight, so props to both of them. But uh, Gilbert Burns got the win via unanimous decision. Uh, moving on down to heavyweight, uh, the gentleman that, you, gentleman that you had mentioned in the last podcast, uh, Cyril Gain, uh, went against Rafael Pessoa, uh, Rafael Pessoa uh, Nunes. Um, yeah. This fight went a little different than what I thought. Thought, I don't think anybody thought Gan Gain would take him down and freaking submit him. Right. I was ready for some heavyweight fisticuffs, and I mean, you got a little bit of that. Not really. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you could tell Rafael hits hard, but I don't remember him landing a ton. Um, I don't remember landing anything, to be honest. Yeah. With you. <laughs> he might have caught like an arm, but yeah, he never really. He never landed anything flush, but he was throwing really hard. And then uh, Gain was kind of dancing around, being real, real, real ginger—not ginger, being being real nimble on his feet. Um, but he didn't really land anything too crazy on the feet either. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. I just I expected a lot more. I expected a lot more to be thrown, and a lot more of just one of them would just connect. Probably more so on Gaines' part, considering kind of his striking background. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll take this. You know, you come in and people expect you to be like this heavyweight striker, and obviously he's got other parts of his game that he, he's clearly been working on. Um, I, I mean, just for reference, he's only been kickboxing slash doing Muay Thai for like four or five years. Like, he's not a dude who's been doing it since he was, like, 13, 14 years old. Like, he, he is still new to combat sports in general. So, to see how much success he had in in Muay Thai and, like, so thus far in MMA, it's, like, it is a really big um, endorsement for, like, his, his learning abilities and his ability to grow and everything. Yeah, uh, Lucas, uh, the guy from Bloody Elbow, mm-hmm. Lucas... Then Bourdain, Bourdain said, uh, yeah. "Yeah, Bourdain said uh, <laughs> he's like Tyron Spong when he came to MMA, but he had a ground game. Mm. It's like yeah, the rest of y'all are screwed. <laughs> like <laughs> if this guy keeps, if he's learning, he keeps learning at the pace that he's learning now, and just keeps getting better. Boy, yeah, like, he he might be, he's still really green, so he might have to give him a couple years, but he could he could be a problem down the road." Um, I mean, because you just look at the dude physically. I mean, like, if you're 6'5", 250 pounds, you, you're just going to be imposing. Yeah. But um, there there was one thing. Like, it, it's striking. Like, it reminded me a little bit too much of JDS. Um, in that like, it's just a jab followed by that big chopping right hand. And I'm right now, right. Right now I'm just going to chalk that up to, like, it's my USA debut. I don't want like it's my fourth pro fight. I don't want to like embarrass myself and um, you know get knocked out or something. So I'm or 
I'm going to hold on to some of my tools. Like, like I don't think he threw a leg kick in that fight. Um, so, I, I can see that being the reason. Um, but, yeah, really impressive just reversal at the end there where he got taken down and just kept going and got on top for that arm triangle. So, props to him. Yeah, well, uh, be keeping an eye on him. He might, uh, he might be somebody to watch in the near future. Jesus. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see how they do, uh, I guess, like, matchup-wise. Uh, I never know how matchups work at heavyweight. Heavyweight's weird. I just feel like they operate on their own set of rules. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how they do with them uh, matchup-wise. Like I said, he's still pretty green, so no no need to rush him or do anything crazy. But we'll, we'll see how he progresses. But so far, so good. So, zero gain. Uh, Want to be an arm triangle choke uh, in the first round. Uh, moving on to women's strawweight. Marina Rodriguez versus uh, Ticia Torres. This was honestly probably looking at the card on paper. This is one of the fights probably I was really like most excited to see. Um, man, poor Torres. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, she does it to herself. Man, like, why? Well, like, I, I get that you're really strong, but you're five one. Why are you going to the clinch with all these like Muay Thai fighters? Who are literally only better than you in the clinch. Yeah, she... Especially towards the latter half of the fight, like, Marina was doing work in that clinch, boy. Like, <laughs> she... I'm not sure she ever threw an actual punch whatsoever, but, like, when she was able to just march down Torres and just get her on that fence, just work. Yeah. Yeah, for three rounds, just just straight work. And boy, like, when she gets in the clinch, boy, she gets busy with them knees. Like, <laughs> she 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 was getting busy in that clinch. Um, yeah, it, it sucked for Torres because about, probably about a round and a half into the fight, you kind of realize, like, all right, the clinching ain't working. You're really iffy on closing distance, and even when you do get inside, you're not landing like really consistently enough. And it just became one of those things where it's like, I don't really know how you're gonna. If this fight stays on this trajectory, I have no idea how you're gonna win. Right. Because what you're doing so far isn't really. It's not really amounting to everything. And. I almost went on her end because as small as Tisha is, like she is really strong, and I've I've seen her before. Like she she can get into some grappling exchanges with people that are bigger than her because she is pretty strong even for her size. But it just it just was not working this fight. Like it just it did not work. Um, to be honest, I'm actually surprised Marina didn't piece her up a little more. Um. Was it just me? I felt like Marina didn't throw, like, a lot of jabs in this fight. No, she does not box, like, yeah. at all. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I, I was looking this in, like, by, like, the second round, I was like, she probably could really put it on Torres if he just flicked the jab out and just got a couple combinations going. Because it just seemed like most of the action did take place when they decided to clinch or they just happened to lock in and get in close quarters for a, a few seconds. 
But if she would have just popped a jab out every now and again and followed it up with something, she probably could have, I didn't say got Torres out of there, but she could have abused her a lot more. Um, yeah. Let's be honest. So, so I worry about that with her going forward. Like, I hope she, because she, she's, she's really talented, but, like, you kind of want, especially somebody with, like, her size and just the way she's built, like, you need to be jabbing people. Like, you need to be jabbing people. Yeah, no, that needs to be a part of her game from the outset. Um, um, not a lot to add. Um, her, uh, you know what? No, no, uh, I feel bad for Taurus. It's like four in a row, I think, now. Four losses. Um... Big, big, big freaking turnaround from arguably beating Rose with Nami Yunus for like a second time, but apparently she's taking a break to go focus on like doing bodybuilding stuff. See, that is one around. Yeah, so like we won't be seeing Zizia Torres for a hot minute, so. I mean, to her credit, well, I mean, this is a testament to kind of how good Strawweight is. Her last three opponents, <laughs> Whaley Zhang, Ioana Young-Jacek, Jessica Andrade, like, that's a nasty, that's a nasty three fight, like, that's, that's rough, mm-hmm. that's rough for anybody, yeah, but straw weight is, it's killers, it's, it's, it's a lot of talent down there, um, but good on Marina, biggest win of her career, um, won it pretty handily, definitely though still has, things in her game that she probably needs to improve on and add to her arsenal, but um, either way, that's that's a really big win. Tisha's a name, somebody who's fought the best of the best, so we'll, we'll see what happens with Marina. But she won via unanimous decision, and this is the part of the card where my memory um, fades. <laughs> yeah, like it... It takes a hard nosedive. Uh, <laughs> at flyweight, uh, Rosario Bontorin versus Raulian Paiva Franzau. Um, all I remember in this fight is that uh, Bontorin had a cut, like, by, like, his cheek. That was pretty nasty, and the ref stopped the fight so they could look at it. And then probably about... 20 seconds later, <laughs> Piva had a cut uh, on the top of, I think it was his right eye, and mm-hmm. you could see the inside of his brain. <laughs> like it, that that cut, was deep. Yeah. They, I forgot, did he get need? He got need. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's one of the nastiest cuts I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. She props uh, Bontorin, who got hurt and had a hematoma and got cut open himself uh, in, like, the first 30 seconds of the fight. And the ref has to stop the fight and restart the fight and then restart the fight again because he restarted in the wrong location. Um, Paiva gets up. Bontorin just pulls on Mike Perry just freaking slams him on his head. Like and then when he gets up, he knees him, and then her, uh, proceeds to like follow up with it. And before he can stop, like before he can stop him the normal way, 
the referee steps in to stop the fight so they can check on Paiva. And that's when they stop on the cut. Yeah. And I'll say good on the ref. Like, in real time, it was kind of wild because it seemed like the ref stopped the fight, like, every 20 seconds. Um, but good on the ref for correcting his mistake with the position change. Um, and good for stopping for that cut because that, that was that was nasty. Like, yeah, that would have gotten so much worse if they would have kept going. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, especially in, in the age of what's been happening lately, fighter safety, you know. And when you see a cut like that, like, you, you can't argue against that, bro. Like, you <laughs> You can't be fighting with half your, I don't even know what you call it, half the meat <laughs> over your eye just hanging out. Um, but yeah, flyweights continuing to be violent. So congrats to Rosario uh, Bontarin. Probably not the way he wanted to end the fight, but, you know, kind of is what it is. Uh, moving on to Bantamweight, Chris Gutierrez versus Geraldo De Fritas. All right, so... This is the one I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. I think one of them had yellow trunks. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that part. I think this was a fight where one of them had yellow trunks. And you know what? I might be... Am I mixing this up with the Vargas fight? Was this the fight where they mentioned, like... The dude was going through, like, a child custody battle? That is Chris Gutierrez. That's what I remember. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I'm, 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 mm, mm. All right, sensitive subject here. Be- because I, I know there are a lot of single, uh, a, a lot of dads out there fighting for the right to see their kid, and they're not complete human garbage. But at the same time, the phrasing of how, like, Joe, uh, not Joe, um, Bisbing was talking about, like, the, his situation made it seem like it was kind of Chris Gutierrez's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's on, like, Bisping just, like, you know, explaining the story, or, or the parts of the story he got from Chris secondhand, or him repeating verbatim with Chris Odom, but it was just like, oh, he's here to show that MMA is a respectable, uh, you know, career choice if you want to have, like, if you want to raise your kid. I'm like, and then he was talking about, yeah, you want your life to be, like, stable and all your friends and stuff to be, like, cool and legit and, like, not, like, chaotic. I'm like, what type of life was Chris Gutierrez living before he started to fight? <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, a, I, I don't know if any, like, if I, I don't, like I said, I don't know, like, how true or not any of that is, but like, Zion's up there, right? It's who? Like, something has to be up there for like. Yeah, I, I feel like that was that <laughs> because we. Because the audience, we don't know, like, the particulars of the situation. That might have just been something they could have. Like, uh, you can bring it up in the post-fight. That's fine. You know, you can say what you want in the post-fight. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe that could have been something they could have just kind of left alone. Like, we don't need to know this man's personal, personal. I mean, I, I got an article here from MMA Fighting from November 2018 that goes into it a little bit. 
Um, wait. Uh, one particular aspect of his custody battle that stung Gutierrez was that his career choice was used to build a case against him. Alle- oh, allegations were made about Chris, uh, Gutierrez's behavior and his capacity for, uh, to potentially cause harm due to his martial arts training. Gutierrez could not go into exact detail about the nature of these allegations, but he voiced his displeasure with the system and how he feels it targets individuals who fit his profile. Like... So they tried to hit him with the... You fight so you're like a violent... I guess that's kind of what I'm getting from that. Or at least that from his perspective, I guess that's what he's saying. That they're trying to trying to put on him and label him as. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. I get it. I, I like. The, uh, my God, like. I, I think it's just because, like, I'm on Twitter too much and I see, like, divorced dad Twitter a lot. Yeah. So you got a bad impression. And yeah, it's a, so, yeah. So, uh, and like the language overlaps so much, it just, it just feels icky. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things from the outside looking in. Like we don't really know the particulars of. Yeah, like. Yeah, we. It's kind of one. Of, it's hard to even really comment on. Um, but it's just odd when they bring it up, and it makes them. Man, I would say you know if. As long as he ain't out here doing nothing wild, you know, I, I hope dude can see his kid. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, the way this story is phrased, it just kind of makes it seem like there's a lot more to it that we just don't know about. There probably is. There, there it probably is. It was wild as we know more. <laughs> we know more about that situation than what happened in the actual fight. I mean... I remember for stretches of it being like, Chris, you have to actually, like, commit to doing stuff if you want to win this fight. Like, get off the fucking cage, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm really tired. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's more than what I I don't remember. I I said, outside of the yellow trunks and that storyline, I don't remember anything about this. I, I I do remember liking Chris Gutierrez in his first fight in the UFC against um was the Canadian dude, or am I just making the Canadian part up? Uh, Ryan McDonald, who is not Canadian, he just has Roy McDonald's last name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember watching that fight and thinking like, oh, this dude has like a lot of nice like skills and like they're they're already built it and like in this fight I was like, like just turn it up. Like, you're not going to win against this dude if you're fighting off the cage. And he did, if my memory serves me correctly. I don't know why this is the only fight I don't remember. Oh, well, I hope you remember the next one, because I don't remember that one either. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty straight. Like, um, Chris Gutierrez won by split decision, by the way. Um, but this next one, Alex De Silva versus Rodrigo Vargas... It was basically Alex De Silva taking Vargas down repeated. Like I shouldn't even say repeated. He took him down like once each round, and it just happened to be enough to keep him there for the entirety of each round. Um, and it was a lot of Michael Bisping being like, "Vargas is normally a very fun, f- 
player to watch, but you gotta stop takedowns, bro. You gotta work on your ground game, in my in my, in my personal opinion. A lot of that. And then the uh, Silva would get to Vargas's back and just not be able to finish uh, because um, turns out it's really hard to like knock in a rear naked choke once you're already at somebody's back. Like the the choke has to kind of be built into the back take if you know what I mean. Right. So like if you just like lock somebody down like it's and and they're like. A, a decent enough um, defensive grappler. They'll, they'll, they'll be able to stop you from grabbing their neck. So, um, I mean, Vargas had like 20 seconds of success where he escaped the body triangle at the end of the first round and uh, managed to like flip over, stand up, and start throwing ground and pound. And then he immediately tried to do go for a takedown in like the second round and ended up like falling on his back um, and with the Silva on top of him. So, yeah. Small victories. There you go. That's weird. It's so weird how you can watch an entire fight and then you just can't... <laughs> you just can't recall. <laughs> it's like, I gave this fight 15 minutes of my undivided attention and I don't remember anything that happened. And it's what ha- like it's what happens when you watch like a thousand fights a year. Yeah, they just they just run into each other. You got to stand out. If, if if nobody's eyes hanging out the socket, you just you just kind of <laughs> you just kind of forget about it. I mean, like what what's the difference between this fight and like all the other fights where somebody gets taken down and can't get up because they are not a very good grappler? All right. But Alex the Silver won via unanimous decision. And the last fight on the card. Veronica Macedo versus Poliana, ah, Poliana Viana at Flyweight. Um, this fight did not last long at all. Um, I don't remember it in... I mean, no, I actually do remember most of the fight. Cause not a lot happened. Like, Yeah, Poliana Viana landed like a really nasty body kick. Immediately shot for a clinch takedown, and then somehow, from half guard, Veronica Macedo managed to get an armbar attempt. Right. <laughs> on, like, her second attempt, too. Like, you don't normally go for the, the armbar from, like, half guard. And, you, and, and even less frequently, you don't normally hit it. But Macedo managed to do both. I'll say, don't tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she, uh, yeah, that, that, that literally was the whole fight. <laughs> that was it. Nothing else to, uh, nothing else to really add. Um, good, good on Macedo. That was a pretty nasty armbar, too. Mm-hmm. Guy that's screaming uh, and everything. Yeah. So, that was, uh, that was that fight. Macedo won via armbar in the first round. That was the card. Yay. There we go. We made it. <laughs> that, that was that was uh, UFC Uruguay. Um, like I said, man, it, it was a pretty, it was a good card, man. The, the prelims were a little, were a little eh. Um, 
minus, you know, the, the Gilbert Burns fight, go watch that. Uh, go watch Cyril Gain, just because he might be somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, go watch the Marina Rodriguez fight. Just That was a big win for her. All the other fights. And the Macedo on bar, because it was pretty vicious. Uh, all those fights in between that, you can kind of skip. But that main card was, like I said, outside of the, the main event, which unfortunately was a dud. Everything else in that main card was heat. There was a lot of quality violence to go around, and we got a lot of good performances. Um, a lot, of, everybody showed up, man. People, a lot of, a lot of people showed up and showed out. So that was UFC Uruguay. Um, go back and watch the fights we mentioned, and definitely go back and watch that main card because it was heat. There's a lot going on, and uh, that was it. So that was UFC Uruguay. And Invicta FC 36. I don't have it pulled up anymore, so I hope I got that right. Yeah, so you're right. go back and uh, watch what we mentioned. As for upcoming cards, uh, next week, August 17th, UFC 241. We've got Daniel Cormier with the rematch versus Stipe Miocic. Also on the card, you got Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis, which I still don't believe until they make the walk. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yoel Romero versus Paula Costa in the, the superhero contest. Gabriel Benitez versus Sadiq Youssef. Derek Brunson versus Ian Heinish. Um, Devontae Smith is not fighting John McDessie. McDessie dropped out, and I cannot remember who replaced him, but it's somebody else. Um, and you got Corey Hagan versus Rafael Sunsau. That should be awesome. Uh, Sabina Mazo, Shayna Dobson, Brandon Davis, Kyung Ho Kang. Looks like a pretty solid night of uh of violence. You got a, uh, I guess real quick. You got you, you got DC winning the rematch. Uh yeah, just he hasn't fought since they fought uh, since the fight. So like, I don't even know what type of like shape he's gonna be in. Like, so yeah, D, uh, DC by um knockout again, I guess. Yeah, same. Yeah. I mean. I'm not really surprised that DC's had the success at heavyweight for anybody who paid attention to him when he was in Strike Force. This is kind of what he was doing. Really well in Strike Force, he was tossing people on their heads more. Which he still did in the UFC, but you know, it's just not surprising that at at uh at heavyweight in the UFC he's been as good as he has. Dude's literally he, he's a goat. He, he's one of the all-time greats. So that card looks looks pretty solid, so definitely looking forward to that. Uh, one Championship has a card on the 16th uh, next week called Dreams of Gold. Um, I don't know if there are some more kickboxing. Because on SureDog, you know, they only show the MMA fight. Right. But uh, we got Nong, uh, Nong Stomp versus Ashiroka. Uh, Thon Lee from LFA versus Kotetsu Boku. Alex Silva versus Stefa Rahardian. And then there are a lot of names on this card that I cannot pronounce, so I'm just just not going to pronounce them. <laughs> but, um, you know, one championship puts on really good cards. You know, you just got to get used to Chevello telling you how many people in the crowd and in the uh, ring or uh, what so have you are, are world champions. You just got to get past that. And it's normally a pretty good time. Yeah. Uh, nothing coming up for Bellator. They're, they're quiet until the 24th. But there is a Ryzen card next week. Ooh. Yes. 
one that? That is Ryzen 18. It will feature the main event between Kyoji Horiguchi and Kai Asakura. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's cool. As well as a fight between Ayaka Hamasaki and Suenan Bunsum. Uh, Victor Henry versus Trent Gurdum. Takeya Mizugaki versus Manel Cape. John Wayne Parr versus Danilo Zanolini. Kana Asakura versus Alicia Zapatella. And Jared Brooks versus Har- uh, God. Haru Ochi. Ochi. And Justin Scoggins versus Kazuma Sone. Uh, I versus Tabitha Watkins. And um, oh, a lightweight Grand Prix qualifying round between Hiroto Uesako uh, and Yves Vadu from France. Shout out to Alicia Zapatella getting the getting the rising look. Yeah, uh, I thought Sehi Ham was gonna be on this card, but apparently she's gonna be in the one in October. So, I mean, she just got done taking somebody's soul. So, you know. yeah. Oh my God, they're having her fight Miu. Miu's like forty-five. What the fuck are they doing to this poor woman? Miu oh, about to catch them, man. <laughs> Boy, what what Sohi Ham did to that last woman, probably like she should have gotten locked up for that. Like <laughs> she should have had to spend like a just overnight in jail. Like you didn't have to beat her up like that. Like God, like God, this woman's brother just fucking died, and they're just like, here, go fight Sohi Ham. Yikes! Like God damn. Hard knock life, man. Yeesh. Well, that's going down next week. Oh, life sucks. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll be uh going down next week. So, you know, as always, we'll be back to uh talk about the violence. A boxing going down. Uh, it's August, so I'm gonna say no, but I'll look it up anyway, cause we gotta be thorough. I feel like we always mention Glory, and I never see if they have cards. I don't think that, like I think last we checked last week, and like they didn't have a card for the date until like December. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you just say that. Yeah. Uh, not really. Um, like yeah, not a lot of boxing that anybody would care about. Um. Couple of women's fights. Um, God, do you know Tim Su or Siu or I never learned how to pronounce his name. Uh, All right, does not ring a bell. He is the son. Yes, yeah, son of uh, Su, uh Sayu. Yeah, I'm fu- I'm fucking garbage with these like Soviet names. Um, but basically, his dad was a former world champion who fought like um. What did he fight? He fought McCollum, I want to say. He fought Ricky Hatton. fought Shamba Mitchell. Zab Judah. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Uh, Vince Phillips. Like, Roger Mayweather. Like, his, his dad was, like, the real deal. Did, wait, did he not fight McCollum? Could I swear he fought McCollum. Uh, 
I'm just gonna go watch that fight tomorrow. Um, but yeah, like his dad was like a big time uh, world champion boxer, um, and he is slowly but surely trying to make his way up the ranks. I have not actually watched him fight yet, but um, you know, you, you got to start somewhere, and he's thirteen and zero, so. It'll be fist to cuffs and violent happenings next week. So, you know, get in where you fit in and uh, go, go watch some nice quality violence. And you know, we'll always, of course, be back to talk about it. But that's all we got for today's episode. So we can go ahead and close with parting shots and shout outs. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to a gentleman. A high school basketball player named Chet Holmgren. Um, dude is nice. Like, <laughs> this kid, he is a seven-foot junior from Minneapolis. Um, there's a clip of him online uh, playing Steph Curry. Gave him a nice little, little crossover and finished with a dunk. Um, Probably won't hear more about him until next year, so the 2020-2021 season. But um, but he he looked like he's gonna be a problem. Like kids, like seven foot, but he he can move for a seven footer. Um, this this kid's gonna be a problem. Definitely, you know, obviously he's so young, so he need need to get some meat on his bones. But um, this kid's good, man. He he is really good. So. If you're a basketball fan, look up Chet Holmgren. Probably somebody that you'll be hearing about in the next couple of years. Hopefully he doesn't go to Duke when he goes to college. Go somewhere else. Don't go there. But uh, shout out to Chet Holmgren. That, that, that kid's a monster. Um, shout out to some of the albums that have come out, I guess. Uh, Black Milk's album Dive is pretty good. Actually, no, it's not an album. It's an EP. But, um. His EP Dive is pretty good. Um, ah, there's another album. I can't remember the name. I'm going to find this because it's in my Spotify search history. I'm going to feel bad if I don't give him a shout out. Shout out to Rhapsody. She's got an album coming out by the end of this month. I don't remember the day, but she put out a track listing and the cover art up. So go give that a look and definitely support that album when it comes out. Uh, shout out to Zoe. He's a producer. I can't remember from where, but if you're familiar with Foreign Exchange, Fonte, that whole like collective, he's done a lot of songs with them. Uh, Zoe, Z-O, with an exclamation point. Uh, he has a new album called Forefront. So if you like R&B, kind of jazz, something a little more smooth, give that a, uh, that album a listen. It's a pretty short album, but it's, it's a really good listen. Um, so that's all I got for shout outs and I'm going to throw a parting shot, um, for all, all my gamers out there, if you're a gamer, um, specifically, yeah, specifically, um, if you play Super Smash Brothers, uh, there, there's been a new character floating around, this new guy named Hero from Dragon Quest, which I don't play, so I don't really know about him, but, uh, I'm not a fan, um, this Hero guy's trash, if you use Hero online, you're trash. Nobody loves you. I'm sorry. That was me. Wow. That's kind wow. Of <laughs> this hero guy is one of the cheapest characters. Oh my god. Like, 
he's just one of those guys that, like, when you see him online, it's like, why did you pick him? Like, the dude is so cheap. Like, so cheap. Like, ridiculously cheap. So don't, don't, don't use Hero, man. Hero's trash, and you're trash if you pick Hero. Do, do better for yourself. Stop picking the guy who can hit me and get me to 115% damage in, like, three hits. Like, that, oh my god. He's been pissing me off, like, all week. <laughs> Every time I play online. Like, Smash has these little, like, online tournament mode thing that they have now. Right. I got to the semifinals of a tournament. Guess who I lost to? This little dude comes up. Every time I see him online, I lose. I don't think I've beaten a hero yet. Since he's been out. And it's only been, like, a week. This dude is ridiculous. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate everything he stands for. I don't even know what Dragon... Well, I'm not going to say it. I know what Dragon Quest is, but now I don't like Dragon Quest because I don't like Damn. him. Damn. So he's trash. If you use him, you're trash. Pick somebody what, better. Stop using the cheapest character. What did Akira Toriyama do to you? <laughs> this guy... He is a terror. Like... Ah! Just... I don't even know if you really play Smash or care about it, but... If you just see gameplay footage of him, you'll understand why he is he is so cheap. He's that guy that like you would use if you wanted to play the game but you didn't know how to play. It's not, it's, and you it wanted sounds to, perfect to me. No, nah, he is oh my god. If Hero was a real person, we would fight. He probably would beat me. That he he definitely would beat yeah, me. Yeah, I was gonna say, like but I would, he's beating all these Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he would give me the blues. But I would hate I would hate him for an eternity. So parting shot to Hero and anybody who uses Hero in Smash Brothers, especially if you play online. You are the bottom of the barrel, just you're a bad person and you should do better for yourself. That's all. Um Shouts to Adon Gonzalez. Uh so we're recording like, right after uh, all the fights happened, and I guess during the ESPN top rank card. Well, that's probably over by now. But um, for those who didn't know, two-time Olympic gold medalist Robisi um, Ramirez from Cuba made his pro debut today. Um, super talented dude. Absolute, like, has all of the potential in the world. Fucking blew it in his first pro fight. Um, lost to this dude named Adan Gonzalez, who was fighting out of Colorado. 4-2-2 two two record. Comes out in the first round as, um, as R Ramirez was, uh, pivoting and, like, uh, ducking back from one of, uh, Gonzalez's shots. Gonzalez hits the corner and hits him with a hook and proceeds to drop him in the first round. Yeah. It was a flash knockdown. I don't think Ramirez was really hurt, but it set the tone for the rest of the fight where Gonzalez would fight really, really hard, and Ramirez would pretend to fight really, really hard and just use no jab and no defense and turned into a mess. And Gonzalez won on, like, two of the judges' cards, I believe. They went all three. Point being, he took a decision, probably changed his life, um... I don't know by how much because Ramirez isn't like a really big name 
outside of like weird people like me who watch Olympic boxing. But um, yeah, no, huge upset. Like one of the bigger ones of the year. Um, so props to Gonzalez for that. Um, you have another shout out? Um, I did, but I forgot what it was. I should really write these down. Um, uh, shouts to all the listeners out there who made it this far. There we go. <laughs> we say this far. It's probably one of the shortest episodes we've ever done. <laughs> I mean, we, but we also started it off by talking about fucking Shevchenko versus Karmouche, too. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, you guys had to. Oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Shouts to um, shouts to new Rocco's Bar Knife. Um, that's on Netflix. Oh yeah, I gotta watch that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna save it until uh, probably until tomorrow. Just get myself something to do. Yeah, I might watch it. Uh, I might watch it tomorrow on the bus. Yeah, it's only like forty. I think it's only like forty-five yep. minutes. Yeah. If you guys don't know, man, Rocco's Modern Life, one of the goat cartoons. Probably wasn't really a kids' cartoon, but hey, what did we know? I mean. <laughs> what was a kid's cartoon? Cause none of those cartoons. Ryan really... Stimpy was a kid's cartoon, and yeah, yeah. And now yeah. John Kay's a pedophile. <laughs> Ren, Ren and Stimpy was, whoosh. But yeah, shout, shout out to Rocco's Modern Life, and I, I've heard it's, it's gotten good. Uh, it's gotten good reviews, so that's that's a good thing. The only people that hate it are the people. The, the wrong type of people, so it's all good. Oh, speaking of shows, sorry, I don't mean to make this a whole segment, but it, it is a segment, but, uh, shout-outs to the show, uh, Wu Assassins, which I think is on Netflix now. Um, if you guys, if you guys are looking for your martial arts fix, uh, go, go give that a look. Shout-outs to Eco, uh, your wise, who's in that series. Um, if you don't know who Eco Yawaz is, if you've never seen Marantau, if you've never seen The Raid Redemption 1 and 2, um, Eco has, has been on a really good run of action flicks as of late, and it's been, it's been really dope to see everybody from The Raid has been getting, like, a lot of Hollywood roles, like, Eco is over here and doing TV shows, um, uh, Yaya Ruhan was in John Wick 3. Um, I think he was also in Star Wars. I can't remember which one. But a lot of like that, that Indonesian scene of like people who have been making action movies over there have been like breaking into the US market. It's been it's been really dope to see them like come over here and kinda start to build names for themselves and, and have success, so uh, shout out to War Assassins. I haven't watched it yet, so hopefully it's good. I hope I ain't shouting out something that's trash. Uh, but <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I did actually have like a a real world shout out, real quick, uh, to the people protesting over in Russia, in Puerto Rico, in Hong Kong, just try, just, you know, trying to make their worlds a little less shitty. Yo, just props to all of you. Shout out! I'm sorry, I don't have more a more poignant, articulate shout out, but I am, I am dying. 
Yeah, it's 2.10 yeah. in the morning. <laughs> we mm. we, we go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. That's uh, all we got for today's show. So, as always, give us a listen. SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, Google mm-hmm. Play. Send questions to dojotalkpodcast at yahoo.com. Uh, give us a look on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Instagram page and send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. That is all we got for you guys today. So as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later. <laughs>